You are listening to Startups for Good, where we explore high growth and high values ventures. I am your host, Miles Lasseter, three-time founder turned investor. Join us to hear stories of entrepreneurs. Join us to be inspired to be a founder or to work for a startup. Join us to be part of a community that believes startups can be a force for good. Welcome to Startups for Good. Hi, I'm your host, Miles Lassiter. In this episode, you'll hear a conversation that I had with Bart Houlihan, founder of B-Lab. We recorded this in 2015, but it's still relevant today. B-Lab is famous for creating the certified B Corp and has led the charge on the Four Benefit Corporation. If you're not quite sure what those mean, please stay tuned and enjoy Bart Houlihan. Bart, welcome to Startups for Good. Thank you so much for coming on today. I'm delighted to be here, Miles. Thanks for having me. So you are one of the founders of B-Lab and right at the center of this Four Benefit Corporation movement. Must be so exciting. Can you tell us uh, more about B-Lab and how you came to get involved? Sure. Uh, and indeed, it is exciting. It is uh, incredibly inspiring for us at B-Lab to be working with, you know, the world's leading entrepreneurs using business as a force for good. Uh, in terms of how I ended up here, believe it or not, Miles, I'm a I'm an entrepreneur by background. I actually ran with a, a team of others an athletic footwear and apparel company called the And One for oh about a dozen years. We sold that in 2005, and shortly after uh, that sale, we began the non the nonprofit B Lab uh, with. The focus on uh, those entrepreneurs using capitalism for change. Uh, so that, that's how I ended up in this space, is coming at it from the lens of an entrepreneur. Now, as an entrepreneur yourself, you had a successful business. If I've read correctly, uh, over $250 million in annual sales. I mean, that was a real business you were running. And how did you decide to go from that to running a nonprofit? Thank you, first. Uh, it, it, we were... Very proud of the work we did at And One, and believe it or not, uh, And One is uh, the reason why I'm at B Lab. Uh, and One was a socially and environmentally responsible company, and and honestly, Miles, not because our consumers cared, because they did. We were selling basketball shoes to to 18 year old kids. More, it was just the type of company we wanted to run, to be proud of, an organization that uh, was familial in its approach with employees, that took care of its suppliers overseas, that uh, believed you could be a global business, but in and of a local community, and finally, uh, one that took care of the environment while simultaneously trying to scale an organization. And you had fun, too. I think uh, you had a basketball court (laughs) at your office. Is that true? That's exactly right. In the back of the office, we had a full-court basketball court with yoga classes in the morning and uh, basketball games every uh, day at lunchtime. Uh, You know, it was a neat environment, Miles. It was uh, a place where people brought their dogs to work. We had eight dogs running through the office. Uh, We had a kid's room and a mother's room. Uh, We really believed that if we created a place that people wanted to be, that it would uh, pay for itself many times or over in, in uh, employee loyalty and uh, retention rates. And to that end, you know, our attrition rate was less than 2%. Nobody ever left and one. They were proud to be there and, and bled for the company. And so we saw over and over again this commitment to our employees resulted in 
incredible loyalty and greater productivity for the business. And so you had this thriving business, and once you sold it, uh, which I imagine must have been a hard decision, your, your same partners created B-Lab, correct? That's right. That's right. We should pause on the sale because uh, the sale of AN1 really was the, the moment of clarity for me about what I was going to do next. You know, we had built this incredibly uh, successful business, quite honestly, and, and we had tried to be responsible in the way that we grew it. And there were some learnings from that 11-year run, what, one of which was that it's really easy to be socially responsible when there are six of you, <laughs> it gets a bit harder as you scale. And uh, we did uh, uh, a uh, leverage refinancing in uh, about 2001, where we were no longer playing with our own money. And it got even more challenging as we brought in outside investors. We ended up in a huge gross margin war with Nike, Adidas, and Reebok. And the business went sideways for a little bit. And it gets acutely challenging uh, to uh, always keep in mind your stakeholders when, you know, you're struggling to hold on to jobs. And then, Miles, at the moment of liquidity, you know, the the moment when it was time for this management team to move on, uh, the ability as a, uh, a corporation to consider anything other than maximizing shareholder value is really not available to entrepreneurs in the current a legal corporate environment. You you are at the moment of liquidity required to uh, maximize the return to your shareholders. And so for our experience at A1, uh, though I bear no ill will to the gentleman who ended up buying the company, you know, within, I'd say, three months of the sale, whatever commitment we still had to employees, community, and the environment was stripped out by the new owner. That and, does and seem incredibly just, quick change. Uh, incredibly change. quick change. You know, dramatic cultural shift for the organization. And, and for, you know, the, the leaders of that business, uh, it was painful, right, to watch uh, a culture that you had spent 11 years cultivating uh, ripped out of the business in such a short period of time. And it it just felt, Miles, that at the back end of that experience, there had to be a better way. There had to be a way. And if I could interrupt you for a Go second. Ahead, please. You were talking about maximizing shareholder value, and that was actually the theme of our last episode. We had Professor Len Stout from Cornell a Law School on talking about the myth of shareholder value, the book she wrote, and how it's a myth throughout the rest of the life cycle that directors or management are required to maximize shareholder value. But she did say there's an exception at that moment of liquidity, as you were saying, when you're actually doing a sale, uh, there's a lot of pressure and, and legal precedent pushing you towards uh, putting the highest price on the business because you're essentially kicking out your existing shareholders. Therefore, uh, they need to be taken uh, special care of and no that, longer that's exactly right. No longer that's can exactly use right, the, the um, and uh, Professor Stout, you know, spot on on that. And that you actually have a a, a huge degree of flexibility. Uh, to consider your stakeholders and day-to-day operations due to the business judgment rule. And you can uh, consider the environment and the community and your employees. As long as some juncture in the future, a prudent man believes that it's going to end up increasing the value to shareholders. The challenge with a liquidity event is there is no future state for the shareholder. And therefore, by law, 
you must maximize return to shareholders. And and that was that was really my inspiration for being among the co-founders here at B Lab. That there had to be a way you could scale a business, raise outside capital, bring in incremental management, and have a liquidity event, and all the while maintain mission, all the while keep purpose at the center of the organization. And that, that's what we really began our efforts at B Lab focused on: is how do you how do you create a better way? a way for a business to, to make money and make a difference. And I think many entrepreneurs start with that passion, but previously had not known how to put that into action and how to make sure that the legacy would live on. And it's a reason that some people have chosen not to take outside investment or to stay working in a business even past uh, their point of passion, just because they couldn't bear to see their vision destroyed or changed after they move on. Or a reason that some people keep things in the family, I think, but yeah. it does cut off opportunities for further scale, for bringing outside capital in, as you say, and bringing in management expertise because people are afraid of that vision being taken in a different direction. That's, that's spot on, Miles. It's, it's a huge challenge, right? Uh, if the only option of maintaining mission is to not bring in outside capital, not bring in incremental uh, management skill, and not have a liquidity event, that's a pretty small set of entrepreneurs who are going to be able to be successful with those parameters. In fact, you're almost limiting yourself in the way that we limit most nonprofits, but that may be that's a conversation right. for another time. That, that's exactly right. You're, you're actually putting barriers on the business that uh, shouldn't be there. The whole point, you, the reason why you chose a for-profit model is it allows you to scale, uh, scale a solution more rapidly and attract and retain the best talent. And so with B-Lab... Um, you're helping to empower people to make these mission-driven organizations and put it right into the corporate charter, into the foundation of the company in a way that will outlast any particular manager or owner, right? That, yes, that is correct. It, it, at the core of B-Lab's uh, mission uh, is the belief that you know we as uh, a business community need to redefine what success means, that uh, we've to date been competing to be best in the world, but in a generation's time, we must compete to be best for the world, that if we're going to address the incredible challenges we all face, whether they be social or environmental, we've got to get business more engaged. And so B-Lab at its core, its vision is to redefine success in business. And the way that we're going to about, about that, that mission over a generation's time is to really find the leaders, the best-in-class companies that stand out where they're uh, able to uh, scale profits and purpose simultaneously and make sure they're easily available and accessible to to others as not only opportunities to patronize those businesses, but also as examples. And so we've created, Miles, a corporate certification. It's kind of like you know, a lead certification for a building or organic for an apple, but it actually looks at the whole company and uh, makes it easy for uh, an investor or a consumer to tell the difference between truly a good business and just good marketing. And it's called a certified B Corporation. And to be certified, you got to do two things. You got to first take and pass something called our B Impact Assessment. It is a very challenging online assessment of the impact of your business on all your stakeholders, the community, the environment, uh, your employees, your governance practices, and obviously your consumer. 
And once you've passed that uh, test and demonstrated higher standards of social and environmental performance, the second requirement is making sure those performance requirements are built to last, embedded in the governance of the company. And to do that, we actually require you to amend your governing documents. If you're an LLC, you rewrite your membership agreement. If you're a corporation, you can rewrite your articles, or you even can incorporate as a new corporate form called a benefit corporation. And we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But the two requirements for the certification is taken past the impact assessment demonstrating higher standards in social and environmental performance, and then secondly, embed the mission of the business and the governance of the organization so that that purpose can withstand new money, new management, and even new ownership. So can you give us an example of a purpose as it would be stated in a corporate charter? Most corporate charters would say to conduct any lawful business or something like that. What would you say instead if you're seeking the certification? Sure. We actually give you the language right on our website. It's free and available for anybody to use. By the way, so is the the impact assessment. But the change, Miles, is really quite simple. It's only about a paragraph, and, and it essentially says that in your day-to-day operations and at the moment of liquidity, you're going to sit, you're going to consider as executives and directors the impact of, on your of your decisions, not only on your shareholders, but also on employees, uh, the community, and the environment. And that that very simple change means that you, as an organization, have expanded your fiduciary duty, where you must consider how the decisions of the company. Uh, end up uh, impacting all of your stakeholders, not just your shareholders. So can we define some terms here to make sure everyone's uh, understanding this here? So we've got B-Lab is the nonprofit that you've started. That's right. And a certified B Corp is something you bestow on these companies that have demonstrated uh, not just a commitment, but actions backing it up uh, for social responsibility, environmental impact, um, and you said employee engagement, right? That's correct. And then you also mentioned uh, for benefit corporations, as did I, and that's something separate. Can you explain what that is? Yeah, I'm I'm glad you you brought us back to that because it is confusing, admittedly, uh, Miles. The the first, we, we now have Oh, going in, going on around 1,250 certified B corporations in, uh, goodness, uh, 39 countries, 120 industries, very diverse community. And one of the first things we asked of this community was to come together to advocate for a more permanent legal change where uh, if you're rewriting your articles, you're only moving the corporate needle, the corporate law needle so far. And so what we decided as a community is that what we really needed to do was to create a legal structure that more fit these purpose-driven entrepreneurs, a legal structure that, by definition, allowed a company to create simultaneously shareholder value and value for society and the environment. And we began uh, an advocacy effort with the help of our community to create a new legally recognized corporate form, something called a benefit corporation. And that that new legal form uh, looks very similar to a traditional you know, corporation with one really important difference. 
those companies have the requirement to have a higher purpose, more accountability, and more transparency. The purpose is that they are required by law to create a material positive impact on society and the environment. The accountability is that they agree to consider all their stakeholders and their shareholders can hold them accountable to that consideration. And transparency, they must publish annually a a report that says how they met objective number one and objective number two. That's the requirement of the law. We have now passed that law, Miles, in 26 states as well as Washington, D.C. There's 27 laws on the book. And we have around 1,600 benefit corporations that have gone to their secretary of state. And when they registered their business, they registered as a legal benefit corporation instead of as a uh, LLC or a S or C corporation. So you've already had more for benefit companies formed than certified B Corps. Sounds like it's been a success. 26 states plus DC. That also sounds like really sweeping the nation. And I know Delaware is part of it. So that gets a lot of the important company formation that will be happening from a scalability perspective. Delaware was critical, right? Delaware is the home to American corporate law. Uh, Delaware, we were able to pass the legislation about 18 months ago. Uh, and indeed, uh, Miles, it, uh, the, the new corporate form is uh, scaling much more rapidly than the certification, right? As new entrepreneurs begin their journey, why wouldn't you start your company as a benefit corporation, right? Giving you the latitude uh, to make money and make a difference with your business. It just resonates uh, with millennials uh, tremendously as why wouldn't I have the opportunity uh to have my cake and eat it too, right? To uh, build a business that's going to create real return for me and my fellow owners and simultaneously create a return for society and the environment. So I think one of the questions that people have and a potential trade-off and downside is, what impact will it have on raising outside capital? And are the financial markets ready for this? Is it still just a sliver of venture capitalists or other capital providers that are ready for this? Uh, and how does that evolve? So what are your thoughts on that? You know, it, it, the good news is that uh, the majority of the mainstream venture capital and private equity firms uh, have already put money into either a certified B Corps or benefit corporation. Uh, we've, we've had, you know, a slew of, uh, you know, brand name uh VC and early stage investors uh, putting capital into these organizations. So I I think we've actually uh, demonstrated that it's not an impediment. It takes some education, admittedly, Miles, but it's not an impediment to bringing in outside capital. Uh, The the reason for the the interest from uh, these uh, more conventional or early stage investors is because this is just good governance. Uh, when looking at a purpose-driven business, historically, they've had a challenge where, you know, entrepreneurs have created odd voting rights or a two, you know, tiered stock structure, all of which poses real challenges for outside investment. Becoming a benefit corporation isn't about entrenching founders. It's about entrenching mission in the organization. And therefore, uh, it's a it's a structure that uh, those outside capital providers can really get 
uh, comfortable with. On top of that, I'd say uh, by becoming a benefit corporation or a certified B corporation, you also open up a new set of uh, potential investors in your business. And that, those are impact investors, folks who are intentionally placing capital where they're going to create a financial return and a social return through their invest. Those impact investors also like this structure because it makes sure that the mission of the organization that they're investing in, even when they leave the credit, will be maintained over time. And so it, it hasn't proved to be a an inhibition for or a problem for existing VCs and traditional private equity, and it has opened incremental sources of capital uh, for our community. In fact, we had on uh, Startups for Good an earlier episode, Max Ventilla, who is CEO and co-founder of Alt School, and oh, they sure. raised money from more traditional generalist VCs like uh, Founders Fund and Dreesen Horowitz. Yeah, Dreesen's in there. That's exactly right. And they also uh, raised money from folks like Collaborative Fund who are more impact-oriented. And they actually became a for-benefit and certified B Corp after having raised money from many of these funds. So I think that's an even greater testament that uh, they were able to make the case why it was important for their mission and to go through that transformation. You know, those investors were comfortable going on that journey with them. You've named exactly uh, the types of investors who are looking at this, whether it be, as you said, Andreessen Horowitz or Benchmark or Sherbrooke Capital, you know, Ironwood or Generation or Golden Seeds. All of them have played in these uh, benefit cores or certified B cores. And on top of that, they are opening up uh, doors with folks like Collaborative Fund or more more of the other impact investment community. And so it is, it is actually one of the reasons why people come to us is that they're looking for outside capital. And they view this as, a, as an opportunity to make sure the mission's preserved at that moment of capital raise without scaring away the traditional VCs and opening doors for some of these new uh, investment vehicles. Don't just listen, get engaged. You've heard me talking about the Startups for Good Giving Circle, and maybe you're wondering how does it work? Go to startupsforgood.com and click on Giving Circle. You'll be able to sign up as a member and choose to make a reoccurring donation, let's say $20 a month or whatever you can afford. We will focus on newer or startup tech nonprofits to provide the initial angel funding to get them off the ground. We will vote on a nonprofit recipient of our grant approximately quarterly. All donations are U.S. tax deductible. So go to startupsforgood.com and click on Giving Circle. Now, you mentioned the 26 states, and I think our conversation today is mainly focused on the U.S. I do know you have activities abroad. How do you approach those? What's the impact been? Is there the same needs, uh, or is there a different approach? Great question. You know, the, the aspiration of the nonprofit of B-Lab since inception was to build a global movement. And we recognized what we needed to first do was have a toehold here in the North American market. We had to show proof of concept. Uh, and demonstrate that there was a real demand. So for our first, uh, I'd say, five, six years, we were almost exclusively focused on the U.S. and Canada. And we built a real community of, let's call it, in those first six years, around 600 certified B corporations. Uh, With that proof of concept behind us, we ran a pilot down in South America, Miles, where we found a sister organization, a fellow nonprofit, who would be our 
uh, partner on the ground in Chile, Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, and Uruguay uh, to uh, recruit new prospects to join the community of Certified B Corporation, to build the ecosystem uh, for business as a force for good, uh, and to service uh, that community. Uh, that pilot uh, that was launched about three years ago proved to be an amazing uh, success. The group down there at Sistema Bay has just uh, been a phenomenal partner and very rapidly built brand equity and awareness around this movement. And based upon that success, in 2014, we launched in uh, Europe uh, and in Australia. Now, when you uh, say launched, you're partnering with existing organizations, or are you creating your own affiliates locally? It, it can be either. And so, for example, uh, in uh, Latin America and in Europe, we there's Sistema Bay, which is a new nonprofit that is our uh, sister organization. They are not a subsidiary. They're not controlled uh, by B-Lab. Really importantly, we've recognized, uh, Miles, that for this movement to be successful in uh, the global markets, it needs to have uh, a local executing partner. They're, they're, every, this movement looks different. It needs to be executed differently in each uh, new region. And as a result, we find inspiring individuals who will form a new nonprofit uh, in those markets and be our, our partners in those markets. So Sistema Bay in Latin America, B-Lab Europe, uh, headquartered in Amsterdam, and B-Lab Australia, headquartered out of uh, uh, Melbourne, are our partners. Now, we're about to launch in September of this year uh, Portugal and Lusophone-speaking Africa. And in that case, uh, we found an existing organization focused on sustainable businesses and social enterprises, a group called YES, I-E-S, uh, out of Portugal. And they have uh, created uh, their own division under a YES uh, to uh, drive the movement in those markets. So it, it really depends upon the partner and who will be most effective with building the movement in that particular region. So it's an attempt to localize the, the movement in different geographies and make it more authentically uh, owned uh, emotionally and, and be of the place. I wonder, though, does that mean that the standards are different in different localities and can it wander from the original vision that you have? What do you do on that balance of localization versus standardization? Yeah, it really a great question and obviously a challenge for the movement. We, we call this a global movement with local execution, but at the core of the movement is a certification where the standards are managed uh, centrally. And so B-Lab here in the U.S. is the certifying agency for certified B corporations across the globe. The standards that were are created to uh, assess the impact of these businesses and as I said, over now 38 different countries are managed centrally so that what it means to be a certified B corporation in Bogota is the same as it means in Boise, you know, that that the credibility, the rigor of the certification has to be maintained. Now, importantly, as the certifying agency, Miles, we have a huge conflict of interest in creating the standards and, and therefore any good standards organization, the actual assessment itself must be created by an independent 
uh, organization and governed by that independent organization. So we have a, a, standard, a standard advisory council, the SAC, that uh, oversees all of the questions, all of the weightings, all of the criteria for the certification globally, and we bring uh, global expertise onto that standards advisory council. So we have one focused on developed markets, one focused on emerging markets, and uh, on those bodies are uh, practitioners, thought leaders, investors, uh, in some cases, government uh, representatives, who all are trying to make sure that our standards represent best-in-class practices across the globe for sustainability and social enterprise. So it's not just that Bart woke up one morning and thought that we should change the weights and make the impact on the ocean more important than impact on the forest or whatever. As much as that would be easier for B-Lab, of course, that's not how we operate. Indeed, we have uh, all of the questions and weighted, uh, weights of the, of the entire assessment uh, overseen by that Standards Advisory Council. And I, and I do want to pause on, the, on that assessment for a second, Miles, because I think it's really important for, for your listeners that the, the easiest way to engage with this movement is to just take the B-Impact Assessment. Uh, it's free. It's completely confidential. Embedded in it, Miles, are uh, key studies, best practice guidelines, examples, uh, benchmarking against existing uh, uh, certified B corporations, so that you can quickly get a, a read on how you stack up against this community across all of your stakeholders how you impact your workers, the environment, your community, your governance practices, and your consumer. And because we've decided to make that tool free and available for anybody to use, we now have closing in on 25,000 companies that have just used this tool as a confidential kind of do-it-yourself consulting vehicle, a roadmap, a guideline for them to have more impact as a business. So I encourage everybody, try it out. Use it as an internal management tool. Uh, check in annually uh, with that tool to see how you're improving. Assign it out to your different managers so that you know, your supply chain can improve, your HR practices can improve, your uh, environmental footprint can improve. All of that is, uh, as I said, free with resources available uh, on our website uh, and available for anybody to use. And that could be anyone in the organization. You don't even have to have authority to sign up the company as a certified B Corp, you could go in and do the assessment, learn, impact the area of your, uh, that's under your control in the business. And then over time, if you get the budget or more buy-in from other people, then go for the actual certification. That's exactly right. In fact, it, we, we hope, we hope it's creating a, a new set of entrepreneurs, right? Uh, individuals in these organizations who, who want to see uh, the community increase its commitment to society and the environment without losing its competitive edge. And this is a vehicle uh, that can be used to do exactly that. Now, there's also a way for from scratch startups and entrepreneurs who are designing their business for the first time to engage with certified B Corps and the assessment. And can you talk a little bit about that? That's the pending B Corp status. You're, you're, you're spot on, Miles. Indeed, the, uh, we want to try to uh, encourage uh, new entrepreneurs uh, to uh, begin their journey uh, with these values already embedded in the DNA of the business. And so uh, we've created a new uh, category of uh, certified B corporations called pending 
certified B corporations. And, and, and the intent uh, is to, A, make sure that you've done that legal change right at inception so that it's easier to do. Truthfully, it gets harder as you get bigger and you get outside investors to make this change. And if you do it right at the onset when you're incorporating your company, either as an LLC with the, the paragraph we recommend that you can find on our website or you incorporate as a benefit corporation, you know from the get-go you've had mission embedded in the, in the DNA of the business. So that's the first requirement of, of, the, of the pending B corporation. The second is we ask you to simply take the assessment as a guideline for how you're going to try to build pro- practices and policies uh, to be more impactful over time. But we recognize that as a startup, there's really no operations for us to certify, right? You're just beginning your journey. Uh, You're just hiring your first employees. You're just creating your first partnerships and your first product. And so knowing that our certification requires higher standards of social and environmental performance as well as uh, that legal change embedding mission in in the core of the governance of the business, we can't certify you out of the gate as a traditional certified B corporation because there are no operations. Therefore, we encourage you to begin the journey as a pending B corporation. And then after you've been operating for a year, come back to us, take the full assessment with those operations of a year in the rearview mirror and transition from a pending B corporation to a certified B corporation. Now, for those entrepreneurs that are starting from scratch and doing the incorporation work, can they go to uh, the same attorneys they would go to otherwise or use the incorporation services? Are they all familiar with the for benefit corporation or do you need to seek out specialized advice? It, it, good question. Uh, I would say we're making inroads in the, in the uh, world of uh, corporate law. Uh, with 27 jurisdictions having passed the new corporate form, uh, the idea of what is a benefit corporation is becoming quickly socialized. We've done a ton of continuing legal education courses uh, to try to get this out there to the legal uh, community so that you can use, you know, that attorney who's been your corporate counsel in, in prior years as uh, your, your go-to source to incorporate as a, as a benefit corporation or as an LLC with this language embedded. But we do have resources for those attorneys if they're unfamiliar with this concept. We, we have a website specifically for uh, information regarding the new corporate form. Uh, that website is BenefitCore.org, BenefitCore.org. And on there, there are resources for attorneys about how to incorporate a, a benefit corporation. And then also, similarly, on uh, our website for the certification, uh, bcorporation.net, uh, there are uh, materials around how to put the language into your LLC uh, agreement. And that's pretty straightforward, uh, amending your membership agreement or creating a membership agreement with, with this paragraph is, is not particularly challenging to do. If you are looking for uh, a particular attorney recommendation, feel free to give us a ring at, at B-Lab, or there's even a list of attorneys whom we work with on BenefitCore.org. Any other advice you would give to entrepreneurs who are starting out on this path to purpose and profit? Well, I, I think the, the, the secret 
that I'm not sure everybody is awakened to is that this isn't just the right thing to do, Miles. It's also good business. And if you're looking to create long-term value for yourself and for your shareholders, having a greater commitment to the environment, society, and governance practices should result in long-term increased profitability. There are now 40 studies, Miles, done by the likes of you know Accenture, Goldman Sachs, MIT, Harvard. Take your pick of large consulting firms, banks, or academic institutions that all have concluded that higher standards of social and environmental performance mitigates financial risk and will lead to long-term value creation. And so most importantly, when you as an entrepreneur are ready to begin this journey uh, and you get the pushback, because inevitably there's going to be some pushback miles from either your attorneys or potential investors about, you know, certainly this must cost me something. What's, what profitability are you giving up because of your commitment to uh, society and the environment? It's important that you educate them that, hey, listen, the reason why you're pursuing this path is because you expect it long-term to create real value for all of your shareholders as well as society, and that it should lead to greater consumer loyalty, more access to capital, and perhaps most importantly, as you build your team, greater retention and interest from new employees. It's the first place we see people using our intellectual property miles is in trying to attract new talent. That millennials today are looking for something new and something different in uh, the organizations they're joining. They're not exclusively about the paycheck they're going to collect. They're looking for meaning or purpose in their work as well. In joining this community, either as a certified B corporation or registering as a benefit corporation, is one way to differentiate yourself, to stand out in the crowd, and to identify with those millennials is that you truly are a different type of organization, trying to create long-term value for only uh, shareholders and society rather than exclusively uh, maximizing profit uh, mentality. Well, on that inspiring note, I think we're going to wrap up. We're about out of time. I really appreciate you joining us today on Startups for Good. Bart, you've given us a clear picture of B-Lab, of four benefit corporations and certified B-Corps, and given us great first steps for entrepreneurs on how to get started. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Miles. Thanks for having me. If you liked what you heard today on the podcast, be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast player. And please give us a rating and review. The reviews help others find us. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and you can follow me on LinkedIn. Be sure to visit our website, startupsforgood.com. That's startupsforgood, all run together, no spaces, .com. If you were inspired today and want to join our online community or our giving circle, please do so on our website.